This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, if you're into sports memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code podcast 20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from all the major sporting leagues, wrestling memorabilia, old comic books, new comic books. They got it all. Best thing is they ship worldwide. Even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, Super Mario Bros. 2, Splunky, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts, travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want, it is there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the best thing to do to support the show each and every week is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week I'm joined once again by two fine gentlemen from the UK, the Canadian whiskey drinking, Jesse Benz. And the dill pickle eating Max Curtin. <laughs> ah, I had some of his dill pickle stuff that okay. you got him as well. I never had it before. It's fucking lush, man. So when you're back, you could bring me some of that as well. But more <laughs> Canadian whiskey, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we didn't just leave it that a euphemism of me being a dill pickle <laughs> munchin. Well, that's how you message it the first time. You're like, oh, just ate all my dill pickles. Like, wow, eh? I didn't know these guys were that close. <laughs> Yeah, my, yeah, it's gag reflex is just gone. It's, it's quite special to behold. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, my friend. Well, welcome back once again. We are we did touch, we did see each other in person, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon enough. We're here to always talk about wrestling first and foremost. That's what we love to do. That's what we always talk about when these guys are on. It's been a crazy week. It's been a busy week. Again, all in in London. Max, you went live. Had some deaths in the wrestling world. Had some surprises in the wrestling world. Had some suspensions again in the wrestling world. Let's start off with the somber and let's build the show up, my friends. Let's start off with the two unfortunate deaths that happened this week in Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. Thoughts? Yes, very, very sad. I mean, Terry Funk was on his way out. Um, I saw a video of Terry Funk like last month and he looked like Joe Biden. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm very confused as to why that happens. Um, but yeah, complete legend of the industry. And he, he was seven, every... 78, right? Terry Funk. Was yeah, he? 78, okay. 79. In, okay. in wrestling years, that's like 204. Well, and especially yeah. in his career, this man should have died at age 12. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, look what he went through. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, but he, yeah, like Max was saying, just an absolute legend. Um, I, I'm not old enough to know him from his real classic days, you know. Like, well, but, even um, myself, and I'm old, no. so that goes so how my, far back. My memories he... of him, 
my memories of him are like with Mick Foley um, in WE, like coming in and doing stuff. And when he was Chainsaw Charlie with the yep. tights on his face and things like that. Like, I loved all that shit. Um, the uh, Beyond the Mat was probably one of my first proper oh. experiences of Terry Funk, you know, when they followed him about um, on that and the ECW stuff that he did. But uh, yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's obvious what a legend he was. Um, just from what everyone says. But then the poor guy's death gets almost immediately overshadowed by Paul Braze, you know? Yeah, no kidding. And I'm in the same boat as you guys. Like, even myself, I didn't watch his early stuff. Because, again, even up here in Canada, we most, especially in Toronto, we were pure WWF back. We literally got nothing else. Then we got WCW later on, right as soon as uh, Turner bought it. But before right. that, or, or maybe the AWA and Stampede, but, again, no big stars were there by then because WWF gobbled up everything, right? So... I didn't really get to know his career until he showed up in ECW. That was my introduction to Terry Funk. So I've always known him as the hardcore legend, as whatever you want to call it, the insane fucking guy. Like, even that, the real exploding death match, not like in fucking AEW with fucking firecrackers. That shit was crazy and way ahead of its time for its own. real glass. I'm sure we'll get to that too, my friend. But it's just, if you go back and watch the explosion, like, again, how did this man live... To his late 70s. <laughs> it's crazy. I remember hearing when his wife died, and I really liked his wife, having known her only through Beyond the Mat. But gotcha. I she came across as like this real sweet sort of southern old lady, didn't she? But I remember thinking like, they seemed like a really lovely tight couple as well, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, no doubt. What about you, Max? Are you a big fan of The Funker? And Same with Jesse, just kind of knew him from the ECW hardcore era. Um... Is Dory still alive? I think so. I don't want to sound like JR saying that Freddie Mercury is still alive and in the audience, but (laughs) I I, I don't know really if he's still alive. That's a good question. I don't want to, you know, put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't haven't heard of him dying. I thought they would have trusted him out or done something with him. Um, What's the guy in the Beyond the Mat film, Stamp? The the guy who, like, works out on the trampoline. Oh, um... No idea. Oh, he died. Uh, the oh, he died, he, did he? Okay. He That's died a few years ago, that, that guy. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not booked, Terry, that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, fuck, what was his name? I can't remember. But yeah, he's brilliant. I don't use it with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Terry Funk got kicked in the head by a horse and still wrestled. <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments. And as I've always said to Jesse, ECW One Night Stand 2006. Yes. Crazy. The the image of old Terry Funk lying in that barbed wire bed, just going, Cactus! Cactus! <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling. That is brilliant. Dennis Stamp was that guy's name. Dennis Stamp. Oh, and Dory Funk is alive and he's 82. Amazing. There cool. we go. Another gem, while we're talking about uh, the Funks, uh, are either of you familiar with a Sylvester Stallone film called Paradise Alley? I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Refresh me, my friend. So it was Sylvester Stallone's first film after Rocky came out. So it was like he suddenly became this massive star. He wrote this film called Paradise Alley, where he plays a sort of grifter, like hustler guy um, who gets into underground wrestling. And Sylvester Stallone back then didn't know that wrestling was fake. So he wrote this film. No, honestly, he just loved wrestling, thought it was all real, wrote this film, hired all these wrestlers, including the Funks and the Million Dollar Man and stuff. Okay. And they're all in this film doing like okay, no, I've never underground bar wrestling. And um, you can see on their faces, like acting in the film, like, holy shit, like this guy's hired us for this film and he thinks this is all real. And we're just like faking the entire thing. It's so funny. It's a terrible, Tom Waits is in it as well. He's playing piano in a bar. Okay. But um, it's a, it's a, I really enjoy the film, but it is shit. But it's sort of so shit, it's good. Do you know what I mean? And the wrestling aspect of it is great. No, but isn't that what most wrestling movies are? Like, No Holds Barred, I still think, is a gem. But yeah, it's the most shittiest movie on earth. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> so that goes it's, for a yeah, lot. Worth, worth tracking down, that film, if you, like, um, if you like sort of old school, campy wrestling. It's great. And one more thing on, on Terry Funk as well. Going back to it, when you teamed with Foley as Chainsaw Charlie against the New Age Outlaws, that feud, oh, fantastic. That brought tag yes. team wrestling back. To the WWF because that's what it was at the time, right? So I, especially yeah. who, who does not have that engraved in their head, they're going off the stage in the dumpster. That like WWE never did anything yeah. like that before. 
Yeah, classic, classic moment. And just there was something about Terry Funk's face because he had a pretty squash face anyway. But his face, <laughs> he looked like, like a freak. Just uh, yeah, just looked like that was it was next level weird, wasn't it? Like it looked weirder than anyone else would look with tights on their face. <laughs> <laughs> Trust oh. me, he's tried. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, he's had a Hall of Fame career. Obviously, winning the ECW World Title there. What he did even for that company, who knows if ECW would have even taken off. If it wasn't for Terry Funk, like, you know what I mean? Speaking of giving yeah. the rub, he gave a whole company a rub, right? So to speak. Yeah. So, but Heyman has always kind of accredited Funk of coming in and launching ECW and giving it the start it was always meant to give. And that's that's a hell of a legacy. But on the sadder note is Bray Wyatt, because obviously nowhere close to his 70s and gone just like that. And what a shock to the wrestling world. 36 man that's ridiculous like he's because he looked he was kind of ageless do you know what i mean you know right? when you look at someone like bray white you don't think about how old they actually are like yeah. that never really entered my head at any point of being a bray white fan but yeah obviously you hear about people's ages when they die and yeah 36 is fucking that's three years older than me and max and like see that that's crazy that's just crazy we've done nothing with our lives oh not compared to him i couldn't grow hair like that <laughs> well if you consider that an accomplished throw aside his three wwe reigns you know no no that that's nothing it's his hair that will go down in his legacy <laughs> oh, oh man I, but like it's yeah it's so sad bray was so such a special character and a right? special mind for the business so never never got his full potential because no one just knew no one knew what to do with him ever, really, did they? It was just like these great ideas and potential, like one after the other. And it was like, okay, he's back and he's got this new thing. Now this is going to fucking take off. And nothing ever really did, which is such a shame. And But, you know, he still gained the respect, as we've seen in the last few days, of everyone right. for just being this creative force. You know, even though it, none of it really stuck, everyone, everyone respected it and loved it, yeah. which is nice to it, see. It shows how good the characters were. Like, yes. even though as the Wyatt family leader, he never really got a win or any big rub until later in that kind of run. But it's still regarded as one of the best characters to ever appear in, in wrestling. You know, yeah. it didn't need to undertake a 20-year kind of thing going on. Uh, the Fiend and the Wyatt family and everything that he's done has just been so revered and so respected. And the other thing I like as well is that it's always sad that we have to find out this stuff after someone's passed, but the same happened with Luke Harper um, when you just find out what a lovely person that that person is um, and all the nice things that they've done and right. images and videos come out that makes you go, shit, that's, that's, that makes it even worse now. Mm. Didn't you have the guy who designed the theme mask on your show, Steve? Yeah, he was actually the director of the Funhouse and everything. There you go. Okay, yeah, he was cool. like apparently he was like one of his best friends because they got so close working over the years, and like just seeing his tweets was breaking my heart. And the pictures oh, that, that they were posting, how close they were, and he, even he said it when he was on the show back when the Firefly Funhouse first started that this man's mind—he's—he's he's literally a fucking walking genius. And it's like how you said, no one knows what he's so ahead of his time that no one knows what the fuck to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you see, like how Max said too, every gimmick, everything, reinvention of him, he dropped killer at the beginning. It's just WWE didn't know how to take it to the next step or didn't allow Bray to take it to the next step, so to speak. So you always saw those glimpses, like every single character from the cult leader to the fiend to whatever uh, the the latest carnation is of the Wyndham Six or whatever he was going to call it or the Wyatt Six. It's like, fuck, man, this man, like, and like you guys said, like he debuted literally like almost ten years ago on the main roster. I think it was twenty thirteen. Uh, oddly enough, against Kane and beating the fuck out of Kane, which no one literally ever did until that point too. And you see the glimpses of his genius, like that promo he cut before they beat down Kane. Oh my god! Like l- listening it back gives me fucking goosebumps because he literally introduces himself saying sheep and all like literally everything that happened with the Y family he encapsulated in a two-minute promo to let us know who he and the Y family is and it's like fuck you don't get that shit anymore in wrestling yeah it was also the one the one near miss of his career and they ended up not happening because of um 
illness, I think. Do you remember there was going to there was a match booked that it was going to be Finn Balor versus Sister Abigail, which yes. was basically going to be Drag Queen Bray. Yes, like as far as as far as like we could tell. And then I think Bray got some sort of illness, didn't he? So they ended up doing AJ Styles Finn Balor instead. Something yeah. happened. Kind of like a travel issue or something. Yeah, something like that. Finn Balor. They were going to dress Finn Balor as That's a right. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, you can like fuck me. Like someone was like looking down and just made sure that that match didn't happen because it sounded fucking awful. See, it? but even with stuff like that, even the corny shit that he did with Braun in the fucking whatever match that he had with him, the stuff with Randy Orton, even now, now looking back, it looks brilliant. But at the time, we found the corny and it's like, oh, fuck, like, what are they doing with this shit? Like, you can't have a PG Bray. Like, you know what I mean? You have to have it. It's like a good horror movie. The best are ones that are rated R. The PG-13 ones, get the fuck out of here. Like, you know what I mean? And that's how I think they treated Bray. They put a PG-13 on him and didn't let him go to the rated R status. And then you got that sort of corny stuff. But look, that didn't even hurt him. And like Max said, he barely won. That didn't even hurt him. He's still a three-time former world slash universal champ. Like, fuck. Yeah. It's, yeah, he yeah. still made it. <coughs> Had a hell of a career. Done multiple WrestleManias. Got the rub from The Undertaker. Like, all of this stuff. And That's another good one. One thing I was, I was just reading up on his bio then. And how lucky is it that he did not go to AEW? Because Tony oh. Khan would have just a curse on him if he did. But if you lose Harper... <laughs> Yeah, would have had to pay a fortune for another Tom Waits song or something for the um, tribute package. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in, in terms of favourite matches for him... Yes. He has had so many. Um, all of the Fiend stuff is really cool. I love... All of the stuff he did with Randy was amazing. Um, but standout has to be... Him and Cena in the pandemic first kind of cinematic yeah. cinematic match. That was brilliant. That's my favorite his, singles match of his. Yes. His Mania 30 match with Cena, very good match as well. As a, as a more That's, sort of standard yeah. match, you know, but uh, but it was very good. And 31 against Undertaker. Go back and watch that because that is better than you remember. The Undertaker Bray Wyatt 31 match. That's really good. Well, my favorite all time, and even it uh, doesn't matter because it was with the Y family, was Y family versus Shield. That fucking yeah. match was fucking yeah, cool. great. And to see those two factions at the time, because that's when NXT was hot, and now these fucking guys are literally at the top of the main roster too now. Oh, perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, that was awesome. So many good things about it, yeah. And I still, the Firefly Funhouse, man, it's still one of my go-to, just things to watch on YouTube, sure. you know, every now and again. I love them. I just think they're such cool um, pieces of art, I suppose. They're amazing. Yeah, and again, it's so sad. Like, his return in 2022 was awesome too. Like, the pop that man got was, like, I nothing I've ever heard since the Attitude Era. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, when that door um, kicked open and he was finally coming back. Because this was, I think it doubled up the excitement because, from a wrestling fan perspective, this was Vince McMahon leaving. This was the Triple H era. This was, oh, Brace is going to be able to do whatever he wants. And unfortunately, I kind of found this the worst version of Bray. It became too convoluted and too too confusing but there was that hope of like what's going to happen and who knows once he got past this other stuff it, it, it could have been awesome well i hope even though it's a tease and it won't happen but who cares i hope he did tell someone and someone releases it and being like this was bray's vision for like the next 10 years if he was allowed free reign like you know what i mean just to see what the end of this whole thing would have been and what he want because i think this was like literally a full career story arc that he was literally doing. And by the time he was done and ready to hang the boots, he would do some sort of homage all to his old characters and be like, this is why I traveled and have like all the clips and showing every little, cause there's like, even to this day, there's still some promos where people are scratching their heads and like, why did he say that? But what if you put all his old stuff together and he's telling a story from his whole career? How brilliant would that be? Yeah, like, yeah, you, like, decipher all the codes for all these years yes. of, like, stuff, and then it ends up being, like, my chest hurts or something. <laughs> no, I have great <laughs> hair. No, it'd be, I have great hair. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, those two will be missed for sure, but we got to move on with the show, as they say, and All In just happened as well. Max, you were there live. Jesse, you watched it live. I watched it pretty much tape delayed a couple hours later. Because I like to fast forward through the the intros and stuff. So, generally speaking, before we get into each and individual match, I know me and Jesse sort of thought the same. It was an okay card. 
us watching at home. Max, what was the experience sitting there live? Sitting a few rows from the hard cam, which we kept seeing you and you kept distracting each and every match for me. But how did you enjoy, my friend? How was it there being live? I, I didn't. I didn't mean to distract. Um, also, I almost fucked up my seating. We, we got there early, and I sat in what I thought was Section X, and then literally just before the pre-show match of MJF, Colvis, so okay. this guy comes over and he's like, "Oh, you're in my seat," and I'm like, "No, no, it's it, it's this." And he's like, "No, I'm on ZC," and I was like, "I don't know where that is." Turns out I was a section back where before I was meant to be. So then I. Go, and it got even better so that was great except okay. I missed most of NGF and Adam Cole versus Aussie Open trying to figure out seats um, the venue was incredible to be in Wembley Stadium with I don't know if you guys heard but it's like the biggest crowd of any wrestling event ever I don't know if they mentioned that on commentary <laughs> I at all they, I, I, I think they briefly brought it up like once okay, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it, it just, just flashed on the screen aware. that one time and I think that was it <laughs> Okay, good. Just as long as you're aware. Um, but honestly, the the atmosphere was just insane to be in Wembley for a wrestling show of that that size. I've never been to any show of that size, like wrestling, okay. music. Anything. Oh, not even Quite music. Up. Okay. Yeah, that's the biggest show I've ever been a part of. And it was just insanely loud. Um, you can't see shit when you're on the floor seats. Um, like, I was... 20 rows back from the front and like right. i could see stuff but it was just easy to watch the screen so i pretty much saw exactly what you guys saw um <laughs> it was loud it was very loud in there the cool moment was i know that the house of black gets credit for the bray wyatt tribute moments right. um but online before everyone was showing up loads of people in fan groups and people who are attending were saying at 8.30 when it gets dark, everyone put your phones up as, as tribute. Oh, nice. And that actually happened during the Sting Darby Allen video package. Oh, cool. So at 8.30, I saw all of these lights go up. That's like, awesome. just simultaneous 80,000 people just saw this message and did it. Um, and then when Sting and Darby came out, it was all lit up. But the fact that everyone did it in that one moment, that's... That was a really special memory. I know the the House of Black match gets the credit, but right. the first was better. That's cool. Yeah. Because when I started watching at the beginning, it did, I was getting like a little bit leery. I'm like, okay, I see a lot of red seats. The floor didn't look packed yet. But then I think it, literally when it turned night, like when the transition from day to night is when they panted the audience again. I'm like, oh, looks like everyone's in their seats now. It actually does look sold out. Because at first I was like, I don't think they're going to do it. Like there's so many like, I've, you know. I think it was just the open air stadium. So they had a setup for 95,000. Um, the other side of hard cam was pretty much bare, okay. um, pretty much empty throughout the whole show. And then there was a lot of tarped off areas for a stadium stampede and that stuff. Gotcha. And it was tarp- tapered off behind the Titan, uh, the entrance tunnel. So those were the main kind of areas that were just out of bounds. But um, yeah, from, from my position around, just full. And I think at night, obviously, when it gets darker, it just looks that much busier. It's, it's the thing with open-air stadiums. It just looks no, more proper true. when it's darker. Um but yeah, in, in terms of like reactions, CM Punk got the loudest boo of the night. Really? I heard I, it was mixed. I heard it was sort of 60-40 for yeah, Samoa. I, I, I think that was another thing I wasn't expecting about a big stadium like that in England. Because in England, when we have wrestling shows, it's kind of a unity thing where we all get the same chance going. We ah. all like bounce off of each other and we all take... Like you've been to shows in England, Jesse. Like there's that taking the piss and jumping back and forth. Whereas Wembley was so massive that you just had pockets and everyone doing their own little thing. And I think that's where it didn't sound as inclusive. Because where I was sitting, I was like, is this as loud as... I don't know how it came across on TV. Like, was it loud or... It it seemed like any other big type of show. It didn't seem like in an arena show. But it's not like it was like, oh my god. Like, like for example, like The Edge Pop when he came back at Royal Rumble. Like, I don't think anything yeah. was that loud. But you could tell when you guys were into it. But the also thing, I don't know if you heard about this, guys, that there were over 70 countries represented in the audience. So maybe that's what it was. So maybe the international crowd there was like 50-50 split of locals versus... Germans. Right? Germans. There was a lot of Germans. So like, maybe they were the ones chanting German. for Joe and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Who knows? I mean, for punk. So, <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah, my, my section was visceral against Punk. Like, yeah. they despised him. <laughs> um, yeah, the stadium stampede match was like, being there for that was just, I don't know what's going on. Everyone was confused. Everyone was scared. <laughs> okay, so perfect. No one knew what was happening. Let's start off with yeah, that match. Because I, I want to touch on a few matches before we go any further. Then let's start off with that match. You said it was crazy. Jesse, what did you think of this? Because I know you like these crazy type of matches every so often. How, how did you enjoy this version of Stadium Stampede in such a big it okay. stadium? It was okay. I do feel for Max and people there saying you had no idea what was going on because I barely did. And I was, oh, was going to say the up. same. They had to do dual cameras at one point, didn't yeah. they, to just keep up with everything going on. It was like, well, fuck. Like, there's no, this feels like World War Three. Like, <laughs> 90s WCW trying to follow all this shit. Oh, you shit. Can't, Good point. You know? And, uh, but, yeah, it's quite The fucking, um, the skewers in Moxley's head, oh. like, right at the start of the match, like, awesome. for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, as soon as that happened, I was like, like, when they were hitting them in, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this looks gimmicked, and, um, like, it just looks like fucking pasta or something. And then, like, and then they let go, and it's actually, and just the way they fell out. Right? Was open, it couldn't have been more perfect. It was just amazing. I bet they were so happy with how that happened. That it was, was great. Well, speaking of taking a beating, I think Beretta took the... Luckily, he got the pin to win it all at the end, but he, that man took a fucking beating in that match. I don't know if you... Because a lot of shit happened in the ring. So I've, I was like, fuck me, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. And uh, going up to the... the um, I found it really funny when they were fighting in the VIP box at the top and there were sort of like well-to-do people just sort of sitting there, weren't they? Like, just sort of like, just looking really awkward. I was really hoping that the only thing that was missing from this, and it's fucking a massive show in Wembley, right? Every other massive thing that happens in Wembley, a royal turns up. And if we didn't have any of the royal family for this, I would have fucking loved, like, Prince William or King Charles and Camilla or something. Just, like, sitting there whilst um, whilst Cesaro, (laughs) like, fucking, like, um, just scoop slam someone on some stairs in front of them. That would have been amazing. Maybe they're not wrestling fans. Or maybe they have the allegiance to the WWE. And maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, they go where Regal is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But all the table spots, I think, were awesome and did what they were supposed to do. And before we go any further, what? why are your tables made out of cement? <laughs> it's like Japanese tables, isn't it? I, yeah. I always right? think Japanese tables are the worst. But yeah, the British tables do. We never knew what British tables looked like until <laughs> until this. Because normally we just get like the shitty what you'd roll paint up um, uh, wallpaper on. That's okay. our normal tables at indie shows. And then they revealed those, and it's like the things you used to eat on at school. Someone went yes. down to a local primary school. That's crazy. Like, yeah, it's like, we only have the finest British walnuts here. <laughs> but I felt so bad, and I was reading a post earlier, and I do agree that I'm getting so fucked off with the We Want Tables chance, like. Skewers in the head, barbed wire, like all this shit, and everyone's like, "We want tables." tables like, Come yeah. on, <laughs> I know, I know, we're not talking about this match, but Sting's um, no, please, hey, it's se- se- but Sting's second take of jumping through the table was really funny. Oh, wasn't it? It was like a yeah. big fuck you. I don't know if it was a fuck you to the table or what, <laughs> but fuck you to the table. Like, you, like you saw his face. He was legitimately angry. Like, no, you're gonna fucking break. <laughs> I'm sitting on you. <laughs> I, but that, but that's the theme. I was just going to bring it up and segue into this: that how many type of no holds barred matches were there? It felt like every second match was a no rules match. Yeah, it just didn't feel like that. I said this to Max earlier. Um, like I enjoyed the show, and it's cool that it was Wembley and stuff. But firstly, it felt like all the wrestlers were so excited to be there that they were almost wrestling in double time and like just trying to get so much shit in that it got a bit overwhelming you know and then and then as you say because of all the gimmick matches and everything like that it it didn't feel like there was any structure or story to anything except for the main event you know um, Adam Cole MJF was fucking brilliant that was an incredible and Tony Khan and whoever everyone puts all their energy into making a perfect story and a perfect match for the main event and everything else is just like oh we trust you indie spot monkeys go and do your thing and that's what they do they just indie spot monkey throughout the whole thing yeah my my one argument and it's the thought I've been having over the past couple of hours in terms of expectation of what All In was like yeah it's the biggest show that's ever happened and all of I love the, I love the idea of you sitting there for literally the last couple of hours ready for this just like <laughs> just getting, getting just ready just for your argument oh my god um, 
but I don't know. I, I start to think like All In was an experiment at the end of the day. This wasn't WrestleMania. This wasn't um, Double or Nothing. It wasn't an established show. You know, for, for me, I'm kind of like, was this just like how WE does the Saudi Arabia shows? Like, it's a big spectacle. Oh, it's good a big point. thing. And the matches, yeah, they don't have storyline because this technically isn't the pay-per-view. Just because it's got the biggest attendance of all time and it's got the look of what it should be, I think the fan expectation kind of took it too far, of, you know. And Tony Khan fucked himself with this as well because he's got All Out next week as well. And I, I don't know. think they're expecting it to be as good as it was in terms of sellout um that they did kind of have to cobble it all together and like yeah maybe more thought should have been put into it but i also think there's just too high expectation from the fan side as well that this was a glorified house show no i I disagree it's not a glorified house show when it's when it's when it's the biggest gate did you know it's the biggest gate of wrestling uh when it's the when it's like the biggest pro wrestling gate of all time you can't say oh but this is just a glorified house show when you're pushing it like they have when it's this huge show like on their stream do you know what i mean like that's not an excuse at all they have plenty of time to plan things better and they knew for for quite a while they have known how massive this was going to be and i feel like yeah i i also don't think it's excuse i think they're barring cm punk samoa joe stadium stampede and the women's match i would say the rest had stories and good stories going into them but nothing but nothing happened but the stories didn't progress or change in the match there was no storytelling during the matches hmm I don't think, and nothing really changed. Steve, you look sad. Well, I guess. Well, you know why? Because you know what? A story did progress, and now it's finished, and now we're going to move on, is Hook winning back the FTW belt. That actually, if you think about it, the story's done. They finished it. That's happy ending, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, the typical storyline, right? So that was done correctly. It's just it was on the pre-show, and no one cared. And obviously the infamous line now, that was real glass. So it's like, fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's true. Like, I don't think, like, yeah, great story with the women. But the, that women's match, I expected way more out of it. Like, and I think they went at it too quickly at the beginning, if that makes sense. Like, I think they should have broke up closer towards the end of the match versus going through the whole match after. Like, you know, Soraya's that, mom's placement uh, was fantastic. Like family. Like, right? That yeah. was great. Like, I was just wishing someone wasn't able to hold her back and she was going to spill all into the floor. That would have been hilarious, but... No, that, like that was the worst know. spot to put that match in. Like all of the critiques that AEW's had for the women's ah. division, everyone was so spent after the Stadium Stampede. We didn't know the women's match was coming on. The minute the final bell hit, everyone and I heard loads of people like they've got to clean up the ring. Let's go for a piss and a beer. And like probably two to five thousand people all at once migrated to the back. Jesus. And then the women's music hit, and everyone went, oh, shit, we're those people. <laughs> We've done it. The only oh, women's no. match, too, on the card. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. That that was that was bad. bad, bad. But where else could it have gone? What else could have gone in that slot? The oh, I don't know how it came across live there, Max, but Paige's um, entrance was really awkward to me. It was like, sort of, they were so desperately trying to force this, like, homecoming of the British girl, you know, like, we will rock you, it's the queen. Yeah, she came out first. I think that also killed it, because as I said, everyone's kind of going to get beers and having a piss at that moment. Her music hits, and everyone went, shit. And so no one had time to react to Soraya, because no one was there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awkward. Tony Storm's entrance was cool, I thought. She almost got, she got a more British entrance than, than, than Paige. And um, I thought, yeah, I thought I liked her. I've always liked Tony Storm. I think she looked great and she just has such a cool vibe about her as well and like good charisma. And um, yeah, uh, she stole that match for me. Classic Britt Baker. Had to go on last. Had to be the star of the show. Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, right? she got she got her own fireworks, like her, her outside right? of Webley fireworks as well. It's I like, why? Scott. Well, I guess she is, she's the original women's division. Right? She was the first woman signed to AEW, so yeah. that's what she's playing off. Nigel, of I think I think it was Nigel McGuinness. One of my favorite bits of commentary from the night was okay. saying about he was he was like, "Have you any idea how much money Britt Baker has been making from all these British teeth <laughs> since she's been here?" He said like oh, yesterday before the show, she was handing God. her card out to everyone outside the stadium, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> 
Oh my god! But to me, my favorite, I guess, pure wrestling match was FTR versus the Young Bucks. Again, whenever any of these two teams hook up, this is why they are the two best teams right now in tag team, bar none. And you see what they do. And again, great storytelling, great near falls, everything involved with this, the trilogy, the this and that. And are you guys surprised with the outcome of FTR retaining? Uh, I feel like they've really kind of shit the bed with FTR. When they had all of the titles and they just went off TV for three months, everyone was like, well, what was the point of all of that? Um, oh. But I also think putting the titles on the Young Bucks doesn't make sense either, you know, because why do they need the rub of beating this tag team? Um, to be solidified as the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, but again, they don't really need it. I mean, everyone was expecting to win because of the whole court police stuff. Why were British fans let me down, man? Why was there not a please don't shoot? Please oh my god! Something, yes. something like that going on. Like, did, I was, did they not get so on TV? Ready? No, did they get... Uh, they there was like, loads of, like... Oh, there were loads from the left section of, like... Okay. Wheeler's got a gun, like, all of that shit. Oh, my God! <laughs> Constant. I love that. See, yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted I wanted that to come through straight away. But, yeah, it didn't It didn't hit Tandy, so... Uh, that's a shame, because they were yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's but, yeah, I love the callbacks to the other two matches that they did. Um, yeah, second best match of the night, easily. Yeah. Except for Young Bucks at the start trying to get that ooh ah Cantona thing going with like no one understood that with the <laughs> that was weird. It's, it's quite niche now, isn't it? The ooh ah Cantona thing. Yeah, no, one, no one's really done it since 1998. Yeah. And I don't know if you, uh, Max, I, you probably didn't notice this being there live, but Jesse, I don't know if you noticed that near fall where they almost fucked up and he and uh, I think Nick was about to get the pin and he pulled Wheeler off of him but it looked like Wheeler kicked out I don't know if you noticed that part where Matt uh, Matt came in late and then literally the three count was coming and he noticed and he just grabbed Wheeler's arm and like like I guess jacketed him over him and I was like oh my god I had to rewind because I'm like did he just do that and you see him he grabs his (laughs) wrist and pulls him over to the other side so it looks like his and uh, obviously you didn't notice so I did a great job on Nick for doing that yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, that um, passed me by. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, it was crazy. Like the near falls going back and forth. Not as much super kicks as I thought because they kept teasing that. So, and then even Nigel saying he's going to keep count. And I think he stopped after two. And I'm like, okay, well, where's your count? But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah, great match. So, would, well, who do you guys think is the greatest tag team right now then? Is it FTR? Yeah, in, in AEW or no, generally? No, in all of wrestling, because that's what they're saying. All of wrestling, the greatest tag team of all time. You know who I, who I really enjoy, and I never enjoyed them as singles wrestlers, but since they've been a tag team, oh. um, Bukayamon, who are um, fucking um, Goda, Goto, I think, and uh, I love them so much, I can't remember their names, but the two, <laughs> guys from, uh, the two guys from Chaos in New Japan gotcha. who have become a tag team, Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi and uh, what's the name of that guy from Chaos that just gets shit on all the time, Max? Um, <laughs> do you know who I mean? In the, yeah, it's the, the, the little blonde one. No, no, that's Yoshihashi. That's... The the other one that gets just battered all the time. He always wears green trousers and he's like a bigger guy, uh, long hair, and yeah. he's, he's always losing. And even like when Chaos wins stuff and they're all like clinking champagne glasses in the bag, he just always gets ignored. But him. Anyway, him and Yoshihashi are a tag team at the moment in New Japan, and they are fucking tearing it up. They're putting on incredible tag team. Yeah, matches. but they're not, they're not the greatest. Well, yeah, they are. They're, uh, what? What? How do you define greatest? Because if you're talking about match quality, they're putting on the best tag team matches right now. No, I say from right now, from start to finish, career wise, if they were to retire right now, who is the best tag team going oh, in professional right, wrestling? Uh, um. Yeah, I think I think the young the young bucks for me would be in for a shout if you just look at their longevity and the fact that they've always stuck together and the promotions they've worked and the titles they've won. Uh, you can't really argue with that. Um, they are brothers. They are, yeah. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, they they've been around a lot longer than FTR as a tag team. I think that's and, true. And, and done a lot more, you know. So I think yeah, you'd have to you'd have to probably say them. I think. Well, yeah, well, the thing is, is that FTR did a little bit with the machine behind them at first, right? Got all those title reigns in WWE, left, now they did everything outside of WWE, you could pretty much do, like, literally every single fucking promotion, you name it, they've won the tag, except for probably Impact, they've won every single major tag promotion, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But 
the Young Bucks have done it all on their own outside of WWE. And you know if they went to WWE, they win those titles fucking day one, if not the yeah. following week. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, just because they're missing the WWE goal, that's their choice where they didn't want to. It's not because they couldn't get there. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't know, man. It's a close one and two, to tell you the truth. And it's cool to see that in AEW that they have that. Like, you know what I mean? And the only other tag team that I could think of that even comes near them in terms of winning gold and being together that long would be the Dudley boys. Dudley's, yeah, D- Dudley's did well, actually, didn't they? When they yeah. when they first left WWE and you look at, and they did the same sort of thing, didn't yes. they? They sort of went to Japan, went to Impact, whatever, and just like won titles everywhere, which was cool. And yeah. I, I really like the Dudley boys. Yeah, Hardy's did the same thing. I always yeah. really liked the Dudley boys because like they... They, they made no sense as a tag right? team, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, big fat guy, Loved and like, Devon always had a really good physique, didn't he? Like, he really, like, worked out well, and like, looked good, and, but their wrestling styles were totally different, and they, they just made no sense together, but for some reason, there was chemistry there, and it just worked. Right? No kidding. To see, like, teams like that, or even individual wrestlers, the evolution from what they started from, being that crazy hillbilly family, to what they evolved into... Again, fantastic. I love shit like that in wrestling, man. Mm, yeah, man. Yeah, I like it too. Now, if you guys could think, what's one person that you think when you first saw them, fuck this guy, this guy's going to be gone within a week, and then became a literally Hall of Famer? I have a good one. Go for it. MJF. When really? That, that first all-in I watched, when he came out first, I was like, man, curtain jerker, generic <laughs> big guy, like, yeah, whatever. And then in the span of four years, one of the best to ever do it. Um, completely forgot he existed until I rewatched All In, the first one. So yeah, you could yeah that's yeah that's a good shout because um, I, I watched the first All In as well. And, uh, yeah, he was he was in the he was literally in the opening match, wasn't he? Yeah, as, lost lost to Matt like, Cross clean. Just yeah, just, yeah, nothing. His his whole shtick being like, I'm better than you, and it's just like. Yeah, I've seen this a million times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, now look at it. <laughs> I mean, my shout, if, if it's kind of on brand now, because he's obviously in our heads a bit at the moment, would be Bray Wyatt. If you go back to his Husky Harris days. Oh, like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. First remember, yeah. Husky Harris, you think there is nothing special here. You know, he'll he'll come and go. And um, and obviously, look what happened. You guys are going to hate this one. I'm going, I uh, hate to say it. It's only because I really didn't watch new japan at the time and didn't appreciate what he did and even his early stuff in wwe i didn't like it finn balor oh fuck you i knew you were gonna say that you're so wrong <laughs> no now i appreciate him now i know his worth and i see his value but at first i was like who the fuck is this guy walking around calling himself the prince when he's like four foot nothing <laughs> like fucking stomps on people and that's it and he plays cosplay like well fuck off oh man that's ridiculous I fucking oh now i love him now he's that's... he's a genius <laughs> I loved him as soon as I saw him in NXT back in the day. That, that match with, uh, was it NXT Revolution or something uh, against Pac, Neville? Okay. Uh, uh, it was like a, a number one contenders tour, uh, match, I think. Um, and fuck me, that, that match was amazing. That was like my first real exposure to Finn Balor. And then I worked backwards from there and then got into his Japanese stuff after that. But I thought that match was fucking brilliant. Yeah, he's... He is so good, Finn Balor, at making you think that he's really athletic and a high flyer. But when he does, at all, he just paces it so well that you get fooled into thinking that he's really athletic, which is a real genius art. Yeah, just a quick last one, because you just mentioned Judgment Day, but Dominic Mysterio. I <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think anyone liked him at first, right? Everyone, well, but that's not his fault. He was thrown to the fire, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like, fuck, I think yeah. anyone in that position probably wouldn't do good. But no, but he's he made the best of it. Yeah, followed after his dad, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> <Chris and> Don. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I, you know what? They have to bring back fucking what's what, what's her name? Fucking Vicky Guerrero, don't they? Like at least for something oh, yeah. to do with this whole storyline. Like maybe if you know, it'd be perfect if they kick him to the curb and then mommy dumps him. And then next week you see Vicky Guerrero like consoling him and now he's like a baby. Like Then she becomes his manager and then she has to start making him into a man again or something. Wouldn't that be fantastic storytelling? And then they have an affair. 
Fuck you. <laughs> After, yeah, they, you see them making out, be like, I have a secret. I was never your mother. <laughs> Vicky wasn't the mother, was she? I oh, was, that's right. He, he, he basically nutted in Ray's wife as a fa- as a favor to him. Like it was was the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. technically, yeah, you could have, yeah. So it's okay. So there's no blood between. Yeah, even in kayfabe, there's no blood. Not that Vince would have minded, uh, but there's no <laughs> blood between them. Dominic at all. Well, Vince wanted an incest storyline with Stephanie, didn't he? That rumor's been alive. Allegedly, my friend. WWE has a lot of money. Let's say allegedly. Yeah, okay, allegedly. Yeah, according to the internet, which is always right. There you go. There you go. Well, my friends, the main event. A lot of people dubbing it one of the best main events of all time. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was. The story was great. I did not know how this was going to end. I thought one of them was going to turn. No one turned. I love Roderick Strong. Adam! Like, you can't get better than that. Like, to me, what made this match was the storytelling. If it was no storytelling, I think it would have been another three-star type of match. Yeah, I I mean, but MGF and Adam Cole, if two people deliver on matches again and again, it's those two. That is true. they, They just always pull it out of the bag, and it's just, to put those two together was just genius. And the swerve being that there was no swerve. Right?! I mean, that's, that was on. that was genius. I loved that because everyone, as we said, obviously everyone was waiting for a turn. Who's going to turn on who? Is Adam Cole suddenly going to turn into like this big baby face or whatever? And it's just, it's great. Yeah, the fact that they fin- they, they they finished that match definitively without without any betrayal. I don't think I've ever seen that in wrestling before. I, think it was I kept waiting as well because like they did the hug and Adam did the stab in the back again like with the hug and then all the pyro and stuff went off and I was like, I'm still not believing it. Imagine if Adam Cole super kicks MGF during all the confetti and fireworks. Like That would be nuclear. <laughs> but the way they pulled off everyone being because ha- throughout the match everyone in the crowd was chanting like let's go friendship and we want love and <laughs> it was, like beautiful we want love <laughs> yeah it was, it was gorgeous um but the match itself was stellar with the wearing the t-shirts and then the t-shirts being torn yeah. off and uh oh, i was i completely forgot i was in a room full of people i completely forgot i was surrounded by other people i was just standing i was on the edge of my seat i was just I would have been really annoying if it had been daylight and you could have seen me because I was just like <laughs> there the whole time. <laughs> it was, yeah, one of the best things I've ever seen live in a wrestling show. That was great. And I was at the Canadian whiskey you bought me, Steve. Steve was well and truly finished by that point. I got through like the whole bottle just watching this show. That's crazy. So like that just that just made that just made the main event even better. Also, I was just sitting on my sofa in my pants. Just going, what friendship? But see, imagine if one of them turned. I guarantee you would have sat there with a little dribble coming down your cheek, all upset and sad. Yeah, Uh, whereas instead I just had a dribble coming from my penis. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. I I would would love to see the alternative reality where there was a turn and to see the reaction. Okay, let's do it. Let's play fantasy booking. My booking was that Adam Cole was going to turn on MJF and then start the new stable with... Strong, Bennett, and whatever his name. I forgot the other guy's name. Yep. Um, I thought they were going to plant the seeds a lot earlier in the Ring of Honor match. I thought Adam Cole was going to be indisposed, not be able to tag in. Uh, So MJF basically has to work the whole match by himself, so he gets really tired. Gotcha. And that's the angle I thought they would take. He'd go into the match really tired, um, and then Cole would win without MGF realizing he cheated until he saw the tape the following week. Something like that was what I thought was going to happen. But no, kangaroo kick, baby, and friendship. Let's go. You could have, yeah, uh, I mean, if there was going to be a turn, it, it would always <laughs> have needed to be um, Adam Cole turning on MJF, I think. And you and you could have turned MJF into the biggest baby face. I'm, al- I'm almost thinking um, Evolution turning on Randy Orton kind of yes. energy do you know what i mean a, re- a real brutal beatdown of mjf that would have just turned him into See, and, know, and that's why i'm saying if they brought in the kingdom with roderick strong and they did that the heat that faction would get 
and they already have the best name deck they could have, the Undisputed Kingdom. Boom, there you go. Thank you. You're welcome, AEW. Just do that, and there you go. Like, you know what I mean? Off to the races. MJF is made as a now face, and now every time he does something and you think he's going to turn, he doesn't, and then they dangle that fruit for about a year or two, and then when he turns back again and he's like, see, I always told you I was the devil. Fantastic storytelling. There you go. Yeah, book it. Come on, Con. <laughs> but now, but now, I'm more excited to see where they go. Like, it's true. Just stay I am. Friends and I am. Now I'm interested. Babyface MJF, face heel Punk whenever he's allowed back, if he ever does come back. Maybe Ricky Starks is going to be the new real, real, real champ. Who knows what's happening? And it's weird that AEW is acknowledging that, even in the in the graphics, it says the real world championship. I'm like, what? Like, so is this like a whole WWE thing? They have two world titles now. Yeah, they're clearly building to a, a unification big thing, mm. but, but that's fucked on out. Yeah, I think like, I sent you that thing, and it's just a picture of Mox just looking like confused and disgusted. It was like Mox's face when Tony asked him to become the interim real world champion. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That is good. Oh my god! I mean, let's obviously let's quickly touch on the CM Punk drama of please. A- not getting picked up from the airport because he decides to show up two days later than everyone else, so he has to take the. Tube. Is that what it was? Is that yeah? He sh- he showed up on the Saturday evening when everyone else showed up on the Thursday, right? So you know yeah, that's that good. happened, and then <laughs> getting in a fight before the big. If if this has passed anyone and the listeners by, this was the biggest show in wrestling history. Before the biggest show in wrestling history started, he gets in a fucking fight. With a child, a child. <laughs> no, that's Who, when he debuted, he was like, "I'm here to work with the children." Well, that's working. Well, he's working with them. Maybe you know. <laughs> Choke holding all of them. I saw it. Um, do you remember that bit in The Simpsons when yeah. um, the when the Clash play Mr. Burns's birthday party? Yes, and they say, "Happy birthday, your pastor!" And then Mr. Burns goes, "Have the Rolling Stones killed?" And <laughs> do as I say. And there was that meme, but with um, with CM Punk and um, Tony Khan, and see what was going. Have Marco stunt fired? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, and then he gets. Wait, gets asked to leave the arena. Apparently, he went by his own accord. And then when it got a Nando's, who um, Jungle Boy did he? No, Punk. Punk oh, got Nando's. Right. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he needs to. And then yeah. stayed for two days afterwards. And yeah, I, I mean, the, the rumors have because, and I think it's past rumors now because quite a few people have confirmed it. But him being like, I hate this place and I want to quit. Yeah. At this point, please do. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? Well, yeah. I was just talking about this earlier today with someone else. It's like, okay, so CM Punk left ROH because he didn't like it. He left TNA because he didn't like it. He left WWE because it was in a good place. Now it's AEW. What's the common theme here? So what, you're yeah. better than every fucking promotion? Like, look in the mirror. I hate to say, like, I'm a huge Punk fan. I love his body of work. Love the promos he's done. Loved the way he used to think. But it's like now, now he thinks he's literally above wrestling, above the fans, and he's literally, like, he's taking JBL's gimmick. He thinks he's the god of professional wrestling. Yeah, if it, I, say, I say it all the time. If it, um, if it smells like shit everywhere you go, it's time to check the bottom of your shoe. Because <laughs> it's probably you. I really hope that CM Punk writes a book one day. Oh, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be such a good read? I would read the shit out of that yeah, book. Yeah, but again, how much of it's going to be a work and how much of it's going to be actually the real thing? Oh, loads of it's going to be a work. It's going to be. It's going to be so much hateful bullshit. But I'm going to fucking lap that shit up. It wouldn't. It, it would just be an amazing read. I would I love guess. it. Just spills the beans awesome. on everyone in the industry. Oh, it'd be brilliant. And then, like, yeah, just like everyone's a cunt, like in in the book, right? Except me. And it's like this. Here is a list of people who have wronged me. That's basically what the book will be. Is four hundred pages. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, speaking, yeah, he should bring 20. back the list of Jericho, the list of Punk, and it's like a fucking scroll <laughs> yeah, of all the exactly. list. Yeah. That would be like the 1001 holds. That's how long it will be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, just all of his gatekeeping on collision as well. And 1001 scolds. <laughs> <laughs> just like all of this gatekeeping, like he was given his own show and like, oh, it's just exhausting. Yeah. Um, that... 
one of my favorite moments that did happen in All In is when he did the John Cena stuff. Yes. And they had the back and forth Hulk Hogan. I love that. That was funny as shit. That was. But, but... Yeah, the, the whole cut from Joe was brilliant. I, I did love that. Yeah, I mean, Punk is talented and he's very he is. good at what he does. Yeah. There's no doubt in that, but just it's just tiring. And the fact that no one else in the company is saying any of the stuff that he is. Right. And wants to stay there and is enjoying it. Even Omega and the Bucks, they must have got offered a shit ton of money to leave. And they went, nah, we like it here. So yeah, yeah. I hope he, he just fucks off into the sunset. I can't doubt that. Yeah, I want that book or I want a sort of rise and fall of CM Punk documentary to be made when it all finally goes tits up for See, him. See, that's what the WWE should anyway. do. Like that destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, do one of the CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get everyone who hated him talking shit about him and there you go. <laughs> did, did you see, just, it came up here in the UK, but CM Punk got in the Daily Mail, they picked up um, a story of AEW, the only one they did, but when he posed with that fan for the trans rights uh, sign at the end, right. the Daily Mail picked it up going, um, AEW wrestler in the biggest show of the UK takes a shot at Rishi Sunak. What? And everyone's like, <laughs> what? When did that happen? <laughs> it? yeah. It's a full 700-word article about how CM Punk went up against Prime Minister Rishi Sunak by Amazing. posing with the sign. Well, there's a, there's a match I want to see. Look at Tony. <laughs> Let's go, Rishi. <laughs> oh my Rishi, god. Rishi Sunai is the only like he's a very small man, and yet he still somehow finds clothes that are too small for him. Every time I see a picture of him, he's always wearing these like suits that are tight. It's like, where did you get those? So you're like five foot four. How did you find such a small suit? You'll appreciate this. Is it like George Costanza when he goes to the opera and he's in his little suit? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen what do you give all in wembley stadium as i think i've heard once or twice the biggest wrestling show of all time <laughs> um i would give it a 2.5 wow max you there um, being live yeah i have a full biased I'm of course like well that's what wrestling is because of the experience like it just being there with someone else. And then the announcement that we get the exact same next year. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. They got a year to book something good this time. They better fucking do it. <laughs> I think they will. I think now they know, okay, this could be our WrestleMania. Let's. But if they put the fucking title on Will Ospreay, I'm burning no, Wembley to the ground. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> the main event of the next Wembley Stadium will be Jack Perry versus CM Punk. <laughs> Winner buys Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you give no, it then, honestly, Max? Four point five. Like it was fuck me. Life changing. Yeah, that's Love that's it. very high. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what you got paid on the way out, but I'll give it a three. <laughs> a three. Like I said, three. it's wow, right in between. I, I didn't think you'd go higher than me. <clears throat> it wasn't good. <clears throat> it wasn't bad. The three matches I enjoyed, we pretty much talked about. Everything else was just there, and and I took a break in between even too. I watched it late, and I was like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. I took a break. Because I stopped at the FTR, that's where I took my break. And I was like, okay, this is a good match. I stop here, I'm leaving off on a high. Came back, I was like, oh, fuck, what can you do? <laughs> but hey, it was what it was. It was cool seeing a non-WWE show that big. Obviously, New Japan has done big shows like that too at the Tokyo Dome. But again, being in the UK, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool, my friends. Congrats. It's, it's going to open up the door to many more. I hope um, so. WWE, AEW, like it's it's now set the precedent, and that's if all it, it needed to do. If it brings, yeah, if it brings more stuff to the UK, then fucking great. Like you know, then five stars in that case. If we get fuck, more, you know, UK wrestling. We talked way too much over wrestling. We didn't even talk about my trip to the UK. How about this, gentlemen? How about you return next week and we do back to back episodes and we talk about all our time spent in the UK together, my friends. We've got to wait a whole week to talk about that. I want to talk about it now. Oh, Jesse, just hold your horses. Plenty of time for those stories. What am I going to do for a week just thinking about all of that? Well, you can watch. Well, Payback will be on during the weekend, so watch that. Oh, will it? Okay. I didn't even know that was coming up. There you go. So, there you go. All right, gentlemen. Thank you once again. We'll do it again next week. Plug your shit quickly. Whatever you want to promote. Floor is all yours, my friends. Uh, Jesse Benz on Instagram uh, every, everything's there really just go there and you can see what I'm doing I do music and that if you like music you'll like me I have nothing going on in my life and I'm sad 
Yeah, he's getting married soon, so come to the wedding in Madrid. Everyone just come and descend on the wedding in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, 23rd of September, all invited. It's going to be the biggest wedding of all time, 81,000. <laughs> all in, invited. <laughs> That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and X under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on X, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, X. suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, it almost definitely helps me out. Most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all the major platforms. All right, I usually ask one last question, but you're going to be back again next week. We'll talk all again soon. So, gentlemen, thank you. Till next week, I'll see you boys soon. See you next week, Steve.